Hello, welcome to my Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company as we travel the Camino de Santiago together. Just one week left to go until my show's in Canada. Tickets are on sale now for my show at the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario. That's Thursday, October 27. Go to grandtheatre.com to secure your ticket. And then the following week, I'm playing at The Pilot, a bar in downtown Toronto. It's not a ticketed gig, more like a pub gig. And there's a gig in Hamilton as well on the Wednesday night at the Casbah. It's all going crazy. The Grand Theatre Show is called Somewhere Along the Way, an evening with Dan Mullins. And I'll tell stories of the Camino, stories of my life of my many travels here in Australia and around the world. And I sing songs, and we sing songs. It's a great show. And if you'd like me to bring the show to your part of the world, reach out. You never know where and when I'll be travelling in your neighbourhood. A very special thank you to my Patreon sponsors, and in particular Donna, who joined as a sponsor this week. You can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe, and most pilgrims aim to arrive at the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. The remains of Christ's Apostle James are beneath the majestic cathedral in the heart of the old city. If you're thinking of walking and are new to the podcast, listen to previous episodes to gain an insight into why people have walked, what it meant to them, and what they learned about themselves in the process of the Camino and beyond. I've been thinking a lot lately about why the Camino appeals to some and not others. And I think there's a mystic nature to all of us if we open ourselves to it. You often hear people say, oh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I think there's some honesty and validity to that. You're open to listening to your inner spirit. And if you're like me, that spirit is saying, go wandering, explore, see new sights, meet new people, learn, grow. Travelling is starting to return to normal, and it's such a blessing. I, for one, will never take it for granted. I remember seeing a sign in a travel supply store just near me here in Sydney. Travel is the only thing you buy that makes you richer. Well, my guest this week has done a lot of travelling. Louise Saul has written a book about her Camino, and it's wonderful. I couldn't put it down. It's called On My Way, Along the Road to Santiago. Louise Saul is on the line from Western Australia. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. You were a Qantas flight attendant. What's life like when travel is your job? Oh, it's busy. It's dysfunctional. Um, It's sleep deprived. But it's a hell of a ride. (laughs) And every day, or not every day, well, every day, yes, you are going to a different destination. But you don't know where that destination is until your roster comes out and then you get full of excitement. Wow. So how long did you do it for? Uh, For 10 years with Qantas. And that was back in the days, the heady days of the 80s, where it was a luxury job. Um, And Qantas back then was only an international airline. So we were based in Sydney. um, And we were away for 21 days. The longest stretch I was away was 21 days. It took us that long to get to Manchester and back via all these different ports. So you were with the same crew for those whole 21 days. Uh, And some days were as short as just three, if you were just hopping across the pond, so to speak, to New Zealand. So for 10 years I did it and, yeah, it was great. And then in my later years I joined a local regional airline here in WA called it was called Sky West at the time which 
then Virgin took over, and that was just doing regional WA flights. Right, Mm. right, yeah. So travel's been such a huge part of your life, but you now mentioned there that you live in Western Australia. Tell us about where you live. I love Western Australia. Well, thank you, Dan. It's a beautiful part of the world. I actually live in the Margaret River region in a little seaside surfing town of Yellingup where it's renowned for its surf breaks and um, the big swell. And coming from a family where I have two boys where they love the surf, it's um, an ideal location. Um, It's full of wineries, Mm. caves, gourmet food, sun, surf and sand, basically. So it's a, um, it's a beautiful lifestyle. And we live on an um, eight-acre block and it's all treed and bush and we have kangaroos and foxes and owls. And, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to be lived. It's my little retreat out of the madness of the big cities yeah. that I also love. But it's nice to come home to nature. Yeah, I'll bet. How fantastic. Mm. So tell us how the Camino came into your life, Louise. Oh, gosh, Dan. I was about, I was born and raised in Sydney and I remember clearly, very clearly, the day I heard. I was sitting in a cafe in Double Bay in Sydney waiting for a girlfriend. I was about 18 or 19 and I'm very punctual so I got there quite early and just sat with a milkshake back in those days, heaven forbid, and I overheard this a conversation from um, another group of ladies and they were talking about a thing called Camino and Spain and walking and, of course, being the busybody that I am, my ears pricked up and I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. But, of course, my girlfriend turned up and then um, we just got on our merry way going to the, um, the pubs and setting up our night for a night out on the town and I had forgotten about it, well, so I thought... And it wasn't until years later that little trinkles of this walk started to, oh, I suppose, um, enter my mind again. And it kept popping up, popping up, popping up. And so that was the first sort of inkling that there's something bigger out there that I need to go and explore that I hadn't had a chance to before. And I just thought, oh, wow, it's becoming stronger and stronger. And it wasn't until my husband had um, some extended leave off work and we really didn't know how to spend this time. Yes, we could, you know, jump on a plane and go travelling, but we wanted something a little more, something a bit more of substance. And then all of a sudden we met somebody and they said that they'd just come back from the Camino. And I just looked at my husband and we said, that's it, let's go. So that's how it came to be. Fantastic. Oh, what a delight. And then you've now walked the Camino a number of times, haven't you? I have. It's in the blood. <laughs> so so why do you think the Camino resonated with you and, and you, you found yourself going back? What is it about it that appeals to you? Oh, gosh, Dan. There's so many answers to that question. The freedom. Getting away from the nine to five getting away from the phone, from the from the trappings of life that we live day to day. And I guess just the peacefulness mm. of the Camino really attracts me. I just love being silent. 
um, I'm quite a quiet person, even though I've got a quite a bright, bubbly personality. I do relish the silence. And I think it's the camaraderie um, mm. and exploring a different part of the world and immersing yourself in a culture as well and just coming across like-minded people who are longing for that quietness as well. I think that's what draws me back. And my husband often, we've got lots of trails here, the Bibelum track and the Cape to Cape and everything like that. But they don't have the culture. It's bush, you know, and I like sitting in the cafes and talking to other people and finding out about their life and their stories. Yeah. And I like going to the churches and, and listening to the choirs, practising and it just, yeah, there's something special about the Camino and I really can't put my finger on what it is. But once you've got that bug, it's hard to shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. How fantastic. So you travelled most of your life. It's, it's been a big part of your life and your children have all grown up and you say in the book they're travellers too. Is it hard yes. to see them fly the nest? Uh, yes, it is. It mm. is. But at, but at the same time, I just remember when I first put my backpack on back in, oh, gosh, the beginning of the 80s where travel wasn't as easy as what it is now yeah and i had the time of my life you know and so to see them doing it i just think good on you go don't come back stay in touch ring me every week <laughs> and let me know where you are and if you're eating all right but go go and explore because um i believe travel is your best education how fantastic so, i yeah. love it i love it i love it yeah travel is just such a huge part of my life and i'd like to make it more a part yes. of my life, but that'll come in time. There's no doubt about that. So let's get to the book. I thoroughly enjoyed yes. it. It was such a delight to get it in the post, and I took it out and plonked myself down on the lounge. First opportunity I could, and thoroughly enjoyed it. On my way along the road to Santiago, there are highlighter marks all through the book. I've got it here in front of me. <laughs> uh, so let's let's just tell a couple of the stories. It's it's really sure. your story of of one particular Camino, and you're very honest in it. In the book, you're very open, and and some of it's. I said to you before we started the interview, I cried while I read the book. Let's start with very early on, though. Tell us about the yes. taxi driver taking you to Saint Jean Pied de Port. Oh God bless him! I certainly hope he had a good day after he dropped me off. He was the grumpiest little <laughs> fellow I've ever met, and perhaps it was because the distance was so far, like driving taxiing me from Beiritz to St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port. Um, perhaps he was disgruntled because it was very few people go back the other way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, he, he wasn't a happy chappy. So I, um, yeah, I, was, I was quite disappointed because I was quite excited, naturally, as, as all pilgrims are, to get this, this job underway. And, um, and I wanted to ask him 50,000 questions about... Oh, what's it like? What am I in for? And and no, there was silence. <laughs> he couldn't give me the time of day, and I've just gone. Oh, and I tried to strike up a conversation, and I just got a hmm. <laughs> hmm. I've gone. Okay, just close your eyes, Louise. Go to sleep. <laughs> he wasn't he very was a a, not a very good introduction to the Camino, but there is no. a lovely moment on your first day. You. You're up and over the Pyrenees. You come face to face with one of the locals, the cows. I love the cows. 
Oh, the cows were beautiful. And I can still see this particular cow. Her eyelashes were the envy of every woman in the world. <laughs> they were as long and as dark as can be. And she just looked at me. And we just looked at each other. We were like maybe a foot away from one another, our faces. And um, she just soaked me in and I soaked her in and she just nodded as if to say, well, go on, what are you waiting for? Off you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she was gorgeous. And the bells, of course. Yes, I'd not heard in Australia we don't have bells around the next, well, in my neck of the wood we don't, so... Yeah, I heard this sound and I actually thought, oh, gosh, it's a bit like Heidi, you know, the movie <laughs> Heidi when you hear them in the Alps. And then I thought, what, what, what's that sound? And, yeah, they were around the bells of the cows and they were a beautiful jingle sound. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my son said to me, that must drive them crazy, Dad. And I never really <laughs> thought about it. But I suppose yeah. it does, doesn't it? I suppose it does. Yeah. I suppose yeah. it does. I love the way you described walking with poles for the first time. You said you're like a deer trying to walk. Did you master them? I did eventually, and I fell in love with them. They were my dancing partner. Um, we just glided along eventually when I did get the hang of it. But that first day, oh, good God, I um, yep, I could have thrown them over the edge. I had no idea what I was doing with them. And it was just a spontaneous thing before I left. I thought, I better get poles. Everyone talks about getting poles. I better get some poles. So I got some poles, but I had no idea how to use them. And regretfully, if I if I look back, if I had my time again, I would certainly practice with them before I went, particularly up that, that steep climb um, over the Pyrenees because they could have come in very, very handy. Mm. I can't walk without them anymore. I've I've become very, very reliant on them, especially going downhill. I know it sounds crazy, but they are so handy when you're going downhill. They are. They are. Yeah. It's a big big part of my walk now. Tell us about Father Pierre, Louise. Father Pierre, oh, what a beautiful soul. Um my husband is a um school principal, so for ten years we lived on Uh, school campus and within the um, school campus there is the um, chapel and Father Pierre was the um, priest at the chapel and uh, yeah there was one day I was just walking around and before my Camino and I was really quite agitated I was nervous and yet I had to have that house prepared and everything before I I went and I didn't have to but I needed to and um, it was all becoming too much and I needed to get out of my head and I bumped into Father Pierre and, um, yeah, he, I sat and talked to him and um, he then opened the conversation and had found out that I was walking the Camino and um, listened to all my anxieties and concerns and then proceeded to tell me that he had walked the Camino three years previously, which I had no idea of. And so we sat and chatted and um, he was a great source of comfort along the Camino with his um, words that he just very gently sent in an email. But those words were at the right time when I needed reassurance and to prepare me for what I was in for. His email is really a lovely explanation of those three parts of the Camino that everyone talks about that the first part is really finding your way and 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 
getting into the rhythm of it. The middle part, the masetta, is about kind of refreshing your your spirit. And, and the third part, uh, Galithia, is the celebration of that new you, um, yes. which was re- really lovely. But you did it tough. Tell us about yeah. entering Burgos. Yeah, that was the tough time. I woke up and, and I was quite bright and spirited in the morning, but by about 10 o'clock I just started to lag and I couldn't work out what was going on and I thought I was just being emotional from the previous days and I couldn't quite put my finger on so I found it quite a hard slog and it was quite relentless and I thought I was being smart by avoiding the busy streets and going through the park which seemed to be never ending in hindsight and I just felt flat the whole day. And there was one part that I haven't put in the book is that some pilgrims actually um, came across me and they said, oh, and we were just talking and one of them mentioned, they said, Louise, you seem really flat today. What is what is wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just feel yuck. Mm. And so we were talking about where we were staying and whatnot and um, they got out their guidebook and um, I looked at them and I said, I can't read that. And they said, why not? And I said, because it's in French. <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, Louise, it's not in French. It's in English. And I looked. At, I remember looking at them and then clearing my eyes and someone said, Louise, are you dehydrated? And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm, no, no, no. You know, you all toughen up and no, I'm fine. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until I got into... Burgos, that that wave of dizziness overcame me and, um, yeah, I sort of just collapsed into the chair and thank goodness a waiter came and recognised the signs and um, realised that it was dehydration that had hit me. Yeah, 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 and you really need to sort of listen to our bodies, don't we? Oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it could have been a dangerous thing that you had done. Yes, yeah, but I had I'd forgotten that I I hadn't eaten. I just kept walking and walking and walking, trying to absorb everything and still see the brightness about the day. But I just felt. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that feeling. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's a lovely passage in the book where you reflect. You're walking with Lisbeth and you're talking about yes. marriage. And it's a really yes. lovely passage of the book. I really felt like I was um, sharing that journey with you. It was great. But why do you think then we open up and share so much of ourselves with fellow pilgrims? Oh, I don't know. I think when we start walking the pilgrimage, we, um, we let go go of a lot of the baggage around Mm. us Mm. and we're open to those general conversations Um, and we're not there's no one around us that knows us like she knew nothing about me and I knew nothing about her but we felt comfortable enough to chat without other people saying no you're not really like that no, I've seen this side of you. I've seen that side of you. Because we all have different facets to our personality. Whereas on the Camino, I believe that we drop all those and we really are authentic. And we just speak from our hearts and what is true to us. And so those beautiful organic conversations just flow quite naturally, whether it's between two females, two males, 
males to females, wherever. It, it, I just think the Camino just strips you all of um, the pretense, I suppose. Yeah. So mm. That's a great answer. That's a wonderful insight. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. In Lorogno, you write about how easily you settled into the rhythm of the journey. And do you remember when you started to feel like a pilgrim? Yes, I do. I think um, I think it's just the happiness. The weight had gone. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. I knew each day what I was in for, not the terrain or what villages or anything like that, but you knew you just had to have your pack sorted. You had to have your shoes and your socks all organised. Um, you knew you just had to get up and go and a coffee shop would be there when you were there you knew a few faces familiar faces were becoming familiar um you knew how to look for the arrows um yeah i just think by lagronia i um yeah just sort of slipped into the rhythm and it became natural it was it was like this part of me had just blossomed and it was like yeah you've got this you can do it so um yeah it just all came naturally I, I don't think there was a particular instinct or moment that it all happened it just felt right yeah and then mm. passage in the book where I'm just going to read it if you don't mind yes yeah sure um it's a chance for freedom to escape who we have become or who we think we are supposed to be. And during the long meditative silences, it allows for reflection, for re-evaluation, clarity, and the time to reclaim our inner strength. I believe it to be one of life's great equalizers, and whoever we are or whatever our reasons, at this precise time in our lives, we are where we are meant to be. We've answered a call. The more I thought about the Camino, the more the words kept running through my head and I had to stop under a streetlight and instantly write down my words before they escaped my tired mind. And you wrote, The Camino is a chance to do beyond what you can do, see beyond what you can see, feel beyond what you can feel, hear beyond what you can hear, think beyond what you can think, forgive beyond what you can forgive, and love beyond what you can love. That's fantastic. Aw, thank you, Dan. Just fantastic. I was like, when I read that, I thought, oh, somehow this Camino has delivered you to a very insightful place in your life. Do you remember? Take us back to the moment you wrote that down. What did you think after you'd written it? Oh, I just felt... Strange. The word that comes to me is I felt beautiful. It just, I just felt, yeah, this is what it's all about. This is <laughs> what the Camino means to me. Let it all go. Allow yourself to be more than you can ever be. So, yeah, I felt really quite, what's the word? I can't put my finger on it it's I felt I felt right no yeah that's what I felt that's I felt fantastic right. yeah, yeah yeah right that's great such a lovely place to be and to, to write such inspirational words and to have that written there now that's with you forever yes it is that's yeah yeah yes. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah there's somebody had said to you that the Camino is a walk within a walk what yeah. does that mean to you 
That means that while you're walking, yes, we're walking every day for 33 days, longer or shorter, no matter what it is, but I, I believe the Camino allows you to walk internally as well. Mm. I believe it allows you the space and the clarity, I suppose, to look inside, to walk inside your soul and to find out what's in there because it's pretty special as well. Yeah, it's an interesting part of the book, that section, those couple of chapters there, because you you are starting to explore some of your history and your own beliefs. And at one stage, you start to ponder when religion and the church lost significance in your life. Did you have a chance to reflect on that, on the Camino? And what did you make of it? And what sense did you make of it? Oh, Dan, I... Um quite religious when I was younger and went to Sunday school and then went on to um, teach Sunday school for the youngsters mm. um, and at school there was church and the hymns and I loved it all and I loved all the biblical stories and things like that but as you get older you, the busyness of life takes over and then all of a sudden the formality of religion started to slip away a bit a bit I think you you become so caught up in I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to, and I, I it really made me contemplate when when did I allow it to slip away but then on the same token I don't believe it totally slipped away because I then started going into more of a spiritual um side of my life whereas religion holds a more formality um, sense I think spirituality has a softness about it so I didn't replace one or the other I just drifted more towards the gentler version of mm. religion I suppose tell us about the journal why is the journal so important to your Camino it's with you everywhere all the time it is, Dan, and ever since um, I've travelled, I've journaled, so I've got books and books and books of journals. Um, I like to just jot down what the weather was like, the people that I met, um, yeah, the places I've been, what I experienced, not great big stories, just little dot points and um it doesn't take long just to flick through them when you get home, just to remember an incident or a town or um, what you were feeling for that day. So journals are always important to me. I don't do it daily at home. It's only when I go traveling. And I've got them way back until I was a young girl when I first went to Greece. So, um, and I dig it out occasionally and, just, and the memories just come floating straight back. So, yeah, how fantastic. Yeah. So, on this Camino, you were handed some rosary beads. Yes. And they became a, a really significant part of your journey. Tell us about the rosary coming back into your life. Uh, I suppose it goes back to that uh, time where I was sort of contemplating religion and mm. how it had left my life. Um, and this sweet nun and these rosary beads um, that I was given. Sometimes you 
when you least expect it, things pop up in your life just to remind you. And those rosary beads really, I don't know, but it's just a gentle reminder of not to lose the faith, mm. not to lose faith in religion or in my spirituality or just in the goodness of life and, and not to lose faith in yourself, I suppose. Mm. And it's quite funny because I actually walked with them regularly in the pockets of my um, trousers or in my shorts or skirt or whatever. And if I put my hand in my pocket, I would feel them. And it was just that gentle reminder of the of what religion and my beliefs are. Yeah, just, yeah. A, just a subtle reminder. Keep the faith. Yeah. Mm. I mentioned at the start of the interview that there was a section of the book that made me cry. You were in Honios uh, and yeah. at a place called the Green Cafe and somebody yeah. got up to sing. Tell us that story and why it meant so much to you. Oh, Dan. Um, I grew up... Um, and my grandmothers, both my grandmothers were a beautiful part of my life and I loved being around them because grandmothers can only spoil their grandchildren in a certain way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, on that particular day um, I was walking along and I just let my mind drift and um, I started thinking about them. And the whole four or five hours they were around me and that whole time I was not interrupted by one person. So I was allowed to just reflect on my grandmothers who had passed and um, I missed them terribly. Um, we, yeah, we shared lots of very special moments together and um, memories just came flooding back of all the beautiful things they used to do for me as a child that you never truly thank. Yes, you give them a big hug and a squeeze and you go, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I, I found myself wondering, do they, did they ever really know how much they meant to me? Anyway, I got into Hornilos and um, I'd cried a lot as the memories came forth and um, got into Hornilos and I just wanted to write. I just I just had that really strong urge, not just to do dot points, but to write to my grandmothers, to dedicate that day to my both my beautiful grandmothers. And um, I found a quiet spot and um, sat and wrote and wrote and wrote and, yeah, um, then I went back and got changed and went to the Green Cafe. It was a new cafe that had been opened. Oh, I don't know how long it had been open, but it was beautiful because it was vegetarian and it was bright and it was airy and they had people playing on the guitar and there was a group of people sitting around and I joined them and there was the English professor who asked quite poignant questions about who we were and what we wished to be and what have you. And he was quite good. He, he was really quite um, intense with his questioning, but not in an intimidating way. He just wanted to know what we thought we could be and what have you anyway. To cut a long story short, um, he'd moved, he'd questioned us around the table and it was coming up to my turn and I thought, no, I'm feeling really vulnerable today. I really don't want to share my emotions. Mm. I'm getting emotional just talking to you about it. 
and um, and just as it turned out, a new singer came up onto the um, onto the chair with her guitar, and um, I thought, right, I'll just turn my chair around and give her my intent, my attention rather than the table and the group and the conversation. And I did, and um, she was flicking through a songbook and um, she started strumming and tuning her guitar and then she started playing the chords of a song and my heart just dropped. And I thought, oh, no, 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 not this song, not this song, because I knew the chords so well. And um, she started singing and she started singing in French. And, oh, gosh, Dad, you make me all teary. And... Um, she sang No Regrets by Edith Piaf and only two years prior that was the song that my grandmother requested to be played at her funeral so I knew they were around me. Oh wow. And I had, I had to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. I needed to be alone so I excused myself and yeah just went back to the hotel and cried myself to sleep but um, I was happy because you know, sometimes you need to take that time out and just listen, listen to the nothing and let the nothing really saturate you. And my grandmothers weren't nothing. They were extremely important in my upbringing. So they were with me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. I just loved Ooh. it. I was just, yeah. I could I could just picture and I could hear that song and I could imagine what it meant to you. It was just a beautiful part of the book. There's another really oh. part of the book, uh, and it's a, a story. Can we do a happy one? Yeah. <laughs> Can we do a happy one? It's a story about Mariana. <laughs> yes. Mariana the donkey. Um, <laughs> she's beautiful. And and um, one of my grandmother's husbands, my, one of my grandfather's, he knew I always loved donkeys. Even when I was a little baby, I had this toy donkey that I would never. Everyone has teddy bears, but I had a donkey, so they've <laughs> always been, they've always been part of my life. And um, my grandfather promised me for my twelfth birthday that he'd buy me a donkey. And um, so I was walking along this day, and it was quite a bland day. It was just dull. There was nothing like the fields were beige the road was everything 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 was beige and there wasn't a soul to be seen and um, I looked up and I thought it was like a mirage it was just like this blur of color and I'm thinking oh is it a car something's coming along this road I wasn't sure but as it got closer it was the donkey marina so uh, marina mariana I can't remember her name now and um, she was just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and she had her um, saddles were packed with bed rolls and pots and pans and her own Camino shell in the middle of a forehead. And, yeah, no, she was beautiful. She was beautiful. They just seemed to have all the time in the world. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donkeys on the Camino, I just love it. I, I, there's there's a section I can't remember now where it is, but there was a, a fellow who had a donkey on the side of the road, and he would give a donkey stamp. Oh, would he? Oh, I wish I had have seen him. I would have loved a donkey stamp. Yeah, for a little donativa, mm. he would give you a, a monkey, a monkey, a donkey stamp. <laughs> you took a pretty significant fall too, didn't you? I did. I did. That was going into, let me remember, into Lyon. Mm. And... Um, 
Yeah, it was, um, I think it was like a sciatic, what I could figure was like a sciatica pain. And it just shot down my right leg from my hip straight down the outside of my leg into my knee and down to my ankle and my leg gave away. So, yeah, I fell pretty hard into the wet, muddy path and, um, yeah, it wasn't pleasant and, and that was a real test for me. Yeah. A real test um, because I'd gone through so much emotionally and because I thought, oh, God, can I keep going? Because it does. It does get tiring, not in a sense where you can't do it physically, but just mentally. I remember thinking, oh, gosh, it's day in, day out, day in, day out, day in. <laughs> and, um, and I just, yeah, when I took that fall, I, I really questioned myself and thought, can I continue? Yeah. 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 Well, that's the great part about the book is that you do write in such honesty because it's not easy and reading the book I could tell gee she's really struggling here like um mm. you know I, I, but so honest and so raw it's fabulous to read and what did you make of the journey once it started to get busier post Saria oh that took a little bit of the wind out of my sails a little bit to be honest with you because I, I, I was so used to and a lot of pilgrims are so used to that quietness that that calmness and then once you hit Surya it's like this whole new wave mm. of enthusiasm and it's like I'm tired can't you see I'm tired I've been doing this for three maybe four weeks and I'm exhausted and I just I want to get to Santiago but I want to keep going in this quiet peaceful way so when you hit Surya and that whole new influx of excitement is there and it's buzzing on the streets it's like whoa hold on a minute I knew it would be busy but I didn't think it would be this busy so it yeah it it when I entered Saria I sort of thought oh am I ready for this I knew it was going to be busy but I, I wasn't expecting the noise and the um yeah, the noise and the colour and the and the vibrancy, I suppose. It came to me as a bit of a shock. Mm. But once I got into the swing of it and, you know, I gave myself a good talking to and going, hey, hey, hold on, these are new pilgrims. Embrace their enthusiasm, you know, because I can learn so much about them So and uh, about this next section of the journey. So it wasn't until I got my head around it that I thought, no, you know what? It's okay. This is a celebration. Join in the celebration. So I did. Yeah. Tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela. Oh, Dan. <laughs> oh, um, how do you ex describe that? I remember being <clears throat> on that, oh, I was maybe 10 kilometres out, I suppose. And I was starting to feel a little anxious. And I thought, I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there. Oh, my God, I'm nearly there. And I, I was excited. But at the same time, I was just like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. No, 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 I'm not going, I'm not going. Yes, you are, you're going, you're going, you're going, keep going, keep going. And so I was in this tug of war, I suppose, with my head and my heart. But the pull was 
amazing, absolutely amazing. And the feeling that I got, it, I just knew I was being guided. I didn't need the arrows anymore. I, I just knew instinctively where I had to go and how I would find it. And weaving my way through those cobbled streets, it was just like, get out of my way. Quick, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm here. This is so exciting. This is what I've been walking towards. Yeah. And I just wanted to grab hold of that cathedral and wrap my arms around it and just thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, this is just, I was overwhelmed overwhelmed because I just thought you know what you've done it you set yourself a challenge and you've done it bravo yeah bravo I'll yeah. say bravo I'll yeah. say and I I'll also say bravo in relation to the book Louise because I thoroughly enjoyed it it's honest it's beautifully written it's really well written and you've 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 done your your homework it's it reads really well it's it's fabulous so congratulations on the book congratulations on a life lived as a traveler and and long may you continue to travel and i hope you find yourself back on the camino or wherever your traveling life your wanderlust takes you thanks for taking the time to talk to me today i've thoroughly enjoyed it oh thank you dan it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you to your listeners for listening and um and thank you more importantly for all that you do for the pilgrims it's a pretty awesome thing to do when you talk to people like you so thank you so much and buen camino oh buen camino dan thank you my guest this week was louise saul s-a-w-l-e the book is called on My Way, Along the Road to Santiago, and it's available wherever you get your books. On My Way, Along the Road to Santiago. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just one week to go until my show's in Canada. Tickets are on sale now for my show at the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario, on Thursday, October 27. Tickets are at grandtheatre.com. And then the following week, I'm playing at The Pilot, a bar in downtown Toronto. It's not a ticketed gig, more like a pub gig. And I'm doing a show on the Wednesday night, in Hamilton, Ontario, at a bar called The Casbah. <laughs> the Grand Theatre Show is called Somewhere Along the Way, An Evening with Dan Mullins. I tell stories about the Camino, stories of life, of my travels here in Australia and around the world, and I sing some songs, and we all sing songs together. It's a great show, and if you'd like me to bring that show to your part of the world, reach out. You never know where and when I'll be travelling to your neighbourhood. A very special thank you to my Patreon sponsors, in particular Donna, who joined as a sponsor this week. And you can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Next week is my 300th episode. I can't believe it. Six years I've been doing it. Seems like only yesterday. <laughs> I hope you'll join me next week and it's going to be a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. I really, really appreciate it. Hope to see you in Canada. In the meantime, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.
mes chagrins, mes plaisirs Je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours Avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours Je repars à zéro
Somewhere along the way Somewhere 